This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian slash comedian Dennis Miller and his guy Friday Christian Blatt. So let's light that candle, Hiroshi. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Miller. Hey, folks. <laughs> Welcome to the, uh, that's all I had. I've been away a couple weeks. Thanks, everybody. People don't know, though, do they? Because we, we stockpiled a lot. We did like, uh, I believe it was, was 71 to 71 and a half hours with Orson Bean. And, you know, Orson's 93 now. And he said to me, hey, listen, fuckhead, uh, <laughs> if I get 100, you know, I, I, I've got 2,500 days left. And you're taking 10 hours of it. So, got a little dicey. No, I didn't be. Uh, he he. Uh, we split his thing up, and that played a couple weeks, and then we did another. We logged a couple evergreens, as they say, and um, I'm not saying they were actual billowing firs out in the middle of Yosemite, more like the evergreens that hang from a recently arrived Lithuanian taxi driver's rear view. <laughs> but uh, I went away for a little vacay, and. Uh, Look at that. Had some free time on the plane. I end up addicted to online strip poker. And you don't <laughs> want to bust that habit out on a, a, a 380 uh, because uh, I had to write one joke while I was there. <laughs> that I was it. Online strip poker. <laughs> I'm so glad you wrote it. <laughs> I was in England and uh, the uh, – Well, you know, they, they laugh on the other side of the theater over there. Yeah, they do. And uh, I was uh, subjected to a full cavity search. And uh, ironically, over there, it's part of the British health system. It's their dental thing. So no cavities where I might have had any incendiaries. Uh, more just like a, a dental checkup, a full cavity search. And I had four, and that shuts the line down. People are so pissed because they do it right there. They have a very tight inventory system. So chair comes out where you put stuff into the... None of this happened. These are jokes. What about this one? I went into Churchill's war room for a tour, and it had that new car smell. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask me to explain why I laughed. I just <laughs> laughed because I think it's funny. And the person at TSA said, strip now, you old cow. And I looked at his nameplate. It was TSA Elliot. <laughs> All right. I, I only wish you hadn't already filmed your next special because these aren't going to be able to be in it. <laughs> if, if I, it was ever revealed that I thought these were special worthy. <laughs> you know, I've got nine of those now. I want to get a tenth one. And I think I'm just going to call it just laughs or just funny. Stay away from all sort of issues in that. And uh, I'll have that done. What's that? Zager and Evans are here. I'll have that done in the year 2525. <laughs> when man is still alive. Now, believe it or not, I think I have plantar fasciitis. You know, you've always heard that? Yeah. I I've used it, it as a punchline innumerable times about Al Gore's carbon footprint. is like Emmett Kelly with plantar fasciitis. I never knew what it was, though. I just knew it was something with your foot. I... Um, had a, I was at the luggage carousel in Heathrow, and I went to pull my bag off the luggage carousel. Uh, now, keep in mind, I, I fly privately, completely. But when I do hit the ground, I like to mesh in with people. But don't perceive this to mean that I took a commercial. I did. Are you kidding me? <laughs> who was the kid who had to land his plane emergency was? I didn't even know who his name was, and he had a he had a he had a G four with fifteen people on it. Flying from uh, New York to London. What, what do you think that costs, Chris? That's got to be two hundred to two hundred fifty grand. Don't, I, I mean, know. easily. Uh, you said no, how I'm many guessing people? Like on five? a G four. Yeah, that's probably twenty an hour. Uh, going west to east, uh, maybe I'm a little, maybe a hundred to a hundred and fifty thousand dollars at least. To uh, and you've got to be part of a program. And then he got it. Uh, he got it down safely, but I remember thinking, God, guys, I don't even know now in music. You know, that used to be Neil Diamond, and, you know, when he was with the Sugar Hill Gang. And, uh, or was he with Luther Campbell in the two live? I can't remember, but, uh, holy, 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 holy. Anyway, I pulled my bag off, and I, 
I right away thought my lower back. I just did so. Oh, and I, I saw a clip of Norm Wise on the road that made me laugh so hard. I guess Norm and John Lovitz have a feud. I did not know that. Um, they have an actual and, feud? Or... I don't know if it's a tease. I can't tell if it's an Andrew yeah, Kaufman I, I, teasing I can never tell feud. with those two. Maybe it is. And if it is, it's genius. Good for them because the, there's a proper bit of acrimony in a couple of the clips I've watched. But if they're pulling that off, and I'll have to ask John next time I talk to him. I know he's going to be on our show upcoming. I probably won't put him on the spot there. But I'll have to see if it's real. But Norm made me laugh so hard in this one clip he was talking. I guess it comes down to Norm and John played tennis. And I know John to be a pretty good tennis player. Um, I, I played once in Chris Everett's tournament. And, well, played. I showed up for the charity. And <laughs> so bad. I was the worst player there. So um, I am one of those guys who uh, Lovitz calls a pusher, a chipper. You know, like you just try to get it back. And I guess Norm and Lovitz played. And Norm pushed everything back. You know, that might be his Canadian upbringing where he's like a, a goalie in hockey or something and he just pads everything back over. And he uh, beat Lovitz. And I guess uh, Lovitz, then he had a, unless this is the greatest uh, fake feud ever, which made me, which would make me laugh uproariously and I wouldn't put it past either. But I, I heard Norm talking about it and he said, uh, you know, John uh, said to me, you, you should play my pro. You'd beat him after, you know, Norm beat him. He, he's, his name's Alex Almedo and he's won Wimbledon once. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a great player. He's an old, and John says, I beat him periodically in practice. And, you know, Norm's whole thing, you know, Norm breaks everything down and then just <laughs> like hits you in the hammer with the realities. He's paid to put it on your racket. <laughs> that's that's his job. You didn't beat him. <laughs> you know, and you could see John was a little startled, but the reality of it set in. So Norm was talking about that, and he was saying, "I, you know, I could not beat Alex Almeida. He's, he's a, he, now granted, he was, uh, he was sixty when this happened." He said, "But he was a Peruvian sixty, <laughs> <laughs> which just made me fall apart." He said, "You could still imagine the guy uh, with women. He's, you know, my dad's sixty. Norm says, "I can't. He's, he's my dad's sixty, but." Almeida, Peruvian 60, he's uh, he's still the sort of guy that pours a little champagne on a younger woman's small of her back. <laughs> Darling, it tastes delicious. Uh, who's, I don't know. Has there ever been a guy who thinks like Norm? It's, no, I mean, there, and there never will be anybody who thinks quite like Norm. Wow, that is a brain worth studying because yeah. when he said um, – Pour champagne on the small of the back. Just absolutely laid me out. So we got to. We should try to get Norm on. Yeah, we he's have. So a, enigmatic. We're, we're in talks evening. with Norm's people because he has people now because he's going to be doing something for Netflix. So closer to the release of that, we think we can. But you mentioned Lovitz on. Uh, let's see, Thursday's show. We're going to have John Lovitz and Dana Carvey here in the studio in Beverly Hills. So we'll have them both on our next show. Beautiful. Here's my ad lib. Let's <laughs> It's pretty good. You can put them both. I'll say that to Carve. You remember Vince Vaughn did that to me on the old HBO show? I know the story, I, well, but I'll you, be with you, Carvey you and, should share it. I'll, I'll be with Carvey and he'll be saying something profound. He truly is a deep thinker. I, I mean, you know, people know him for Dana, but nobody's funny as smart or nobody's funnier or smarter. And we're on the phone and he'll say something so profound and it'll take a pause and I'll go, do church lady for me. <laughs> <laughs> Fake piss. But I remember I had Vince Vaughn one night on uh, an HBO show I was doing. And uh, I remember I was doing commercials for some phone company. Everybody was. And I don't know if there's the apocryphal tale or the accurate tale of Spade deliberately screwing his up on the Tonight Show and losing a million dollar contract. Do you remember that story? Yeah, I, well, I don't know that he deliberately did it. I think he just there was like they were like ten, ten, two, twenty, and you know just that's the one like I that. did. I believe. Yeah, and so whatever he had, I think he said the one you did, and uh, I don't, I don't know that he did it on purpose. Or maybe I was ten, ten, four, five, six, seven, eight. I know it sounds like cave, caveman stuff to kids, but that's how you used to have to use your phone, right? You had to yeah. dial that to get into a, a master system. 
And then make your phone call. Yeah, well, so you didn't have to pay long distance on your phone company's bill. This was like you were dialing into a different service to save money. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody was doing an ad. They'd rotate you out after six months. And um, paid to, I, I, I contend, I think, David, knowing how flippant he could be sometimes in the name of humor, might have screwed it up deliberately, trying to look like he was indifferent to the... But I think the contract went away. But I had Vince Vaughn on one night in the middle of mine, and I can't remember if they were 10-10-4-5-6-7-8 or 10-10-2-20. Uh, but um, Vince sat down, and I went to tell him that I saw swingers for the first time with uh, the dude, uh, which is such a it's such a um, big Lebowski type. Uh, you know, the dude would like that movie. But I went with Jeff Bridges and I was I went to tell him that on the air and he cuts me off right in the middle. And he says, uh, hey, 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 one sec. What's your favorite 10, 10 to 20 pharmacist or eyeglass? Because <laughs> I had done a couple of them. I've never been worse shot on in public. <laughs> you know how he does that fake sincere thing like he's really hanging on you everywhere. You know, like, come on, come clean with me. <laughs> I was mortified. Now that was a funny laugh. All right, so we're back. we got Lovitz and uh, Carve coming up a little later in the week. I have actually been, believe it or not, texting with Norm a little when wow. poker's on. And I, we have the. At first, he didn't know who it was because uh, I hadn't used it. I, you know, my idea of friendship is not bothering people who I want to be friends with. But with Norm, I was watching the World Championship of Poker one night, and I thought, you got to just jump in. I bet you Norm's online right now because he he eats that stuff up. I mean, I think Norm text live text golf tournaments, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He'll and like he'll do you know whatever he's watching. Like he he did like the baseball playoffs last year. It's just kind of anything. He will definitely live tweet it. So I thought he must be on. So we went back and forth with some. He's hilarious. What can I say? We were both watching it late at night and uh, having some sort of odd, quirky conversation about how he had gotten me addicted to. Uh, the game of poker. <laughs> so I might send them one from uh, left field tonight and just say, come on the show. But, uh, yeah, I don't think there's ever been uh, a cat like Norm. And uh, he, uh, I can't wait for this Netflix thing. Although I think it's it's just strictly is an interview or is it Norm doing – do you hear anything? What I hear is that it's interview and what I also hear is that Netflix for some reason decided that this show should be half an hour so that they edit it. They edit it down pretty heavily. And I was just like, that's that's not really Norm's forte. Just let him, let him talk, you know? I mean, a half an hour? Yeah, that's what I heard, but I could be wrong. Wow, Maybe Norm takes more than a half an hour to uh, not say hi to you. <laughs> Well, he uh, he is a Canadian treasure, and uh, we will give it a tumble at any length. But for me, I would have made one big Norm episode, and you could stop it wherever you wanted. That would have been my play if I was Netflix. I would have said to Norm, we're signing you a contract for 10 one-hour shows. We'd like you to come in and just do 10 hours of you free associating, having people in at any given moment like a telethon. And, uh, you know, and we'll chop it up or people can chop it up on their own into little nuggets, however they choose to digest you since he is such a, a rare foie gras of a mind. So that's how I would approach Norm, the non-health-related telethon, I would have called it, <laughs> and just put 10 hours of Norm up and you can take it as you uh, take it as you want it. I do love the actual name of the show, which is Norm MacDonald Has a Show. <laughs> Well, that lends itself. Here's Gene Shalit if he was still alive. Oh, my God, what is this? Because of old McDonald. You remember Gene Shalit, right? Every time you'd say, certainly, somebody won't do that review. Oh, I. He would dive on that bad review grenade the next morning. Norm McDonald has a. I'm repeating it. Like it wasn't bad enough the first time. All right. Not, um, only, not only do I know him, I have an ex-girlfriend who had a box of love letters from him. She worked at NBC, and he whoa, saw whoa. her once, and he started writing her letters. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. That is uh, – Be still, my heart. 
Like a wheel, Bonnie Bedelia steals it. Imagine that. You know, listen, I'm not particularly proud of my uh, my monkey trick, which is indignation. <laughs> what am I? Arcane reference about what Jetson's made. But certainly mine looks like a sonnet compared to his. And uh, by the way, emojis officially now the new sonnets. So I was in London, and I went to pull this uh, bag off, and I tore my lower back asunder as a 60-year-old Peruvian man poured Tattinger on it. <laughs> called me darling uh no i really and uh, christian what about this commute i was in london i flew from london to dc uh and uh got in three hours and went up on stage and did a show wow longest commute ever and it was pretty good i i think unless somebody's out there well we can't take calls right Listen, if none of you call in and tell me it was bad, I'm assuming it was great on the Dennis Miller Option podcast. No, it was pretty good. and uh, But it was so free-roaming because I was out of it. I had I took an ambi on the plane to get laid out, you know? Sure. So I'm, I'm in that fugue state where you're re-entering from Ambien. And uh, let's say it was extrapolative. But I don't remember it turning into a car crash. But it was the first time, actually the second time, oddly enough, and the first time gave me great rewards was I've told you the story about being in Paris and Michael Fuchs from HBO uh, calling me and saying he needed me. Somebody had fallen out of a gig for his uh, big distributors. I think it was in Rye, New York, if I remember correctly, although I might be in the uh, miasma of memory. But I flew back on the Concorde. I said, sure, because Michael had always been good to me, my champion. I flew back on the Concorde. Went up, did the gig, I think helicoptered back from Rye, went to my apartment to sleep and was so, like, wired. And I know the time didn't work. Uh, you know, it was just I was all discombobulated. Lay in bed for us. And I, was, oh, I can't get to bed. I'll go have a drink. I got up and went to Catch a Rising Star uh, after being in bed, after coming back unexpectedly and met my wife. Oh, wow. That's where I met Carolyn. Can you imagine? No. She just was walking by me with two gentlemen and uh, friends. And uh, I won't get into the details of the, the story, but uh, I would have never been standing there in that bar. I always think about that. So I said to her the other night, I said, honey, this is only the second time in my life that I've ever come from the European continent, went directly on stage in America. Let's hope, <laughs> Let's hope it uh, has the beautiful yield that you have been. So you never know where life takes you, folks. That that uh, boggles my mind when I think back on the kismet of that moment that I wouldn't even been there. But I often wonder, do you – I don't know. Is it like a Ryan Gosling notebook film or something? But do you think – you'd like to think you're going to meet the one inevitably, right? But you don't, right? I mean, there's that situational stuff. If the, I always think of the Titanic. If the Titanic does not leave – and intersect with that thing at the precise moment where it steers enough to, like, cut itself like a can opener through six water, you know, waterproof chambers. It, it, maybe if it hits right on, it doesn't go down right away or as quickly. But I always think about that collision and how things all come together. And I guess, you know, in a much better way, obviously, that's how fate is with you meeting your your bride. If you stop to think about it, uh, what well, who knows if you don't go out the door on any given night? Did was was Christian was yours built over a long time with your and Christian's by the way is a beautiful wife, Madman episode writer. And we'll brag on her a little. And she's got uh, two episodes of Orange Is the New Black under her belt now, so she's uh, you know building uh, the empire. We just celebrated nine years of uh, wedded bliss uh, last night with a fancy dinner. So thank you. And as you look in retrospect, was there any chance that you wouldn't have met? Well, if I had been any kind of success in show business, I would Oh, wouldn't... so you meant, you, you, look, it was inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if, I, if I had any success, I wouldn't have been a production assistant on your CNBC show where she was an intern. And uh, we wouldn't have struck up a conversation where she very much disliked me for the first two months of her internship. Uh, so, uh, so it was predicated on you not having a hot career, which in essence, 
Couldn't have been more predictable yeah. than um, <laughs> particles in a super collider in Enrico Fermi's lab at the University of Chicago. Yeah, I could I could meet her today. It'd be the same difference. <laughs> <laughs> To uh, steal a phrase from uh, Don Rickles on your HBO show. I'm on this piece of shit, aren't I? <laughs> and you know what's funny, Christian, is uh, it'll show you how how conscious I was, even then, of never meeting the intern. <laughs> oh, like my that. God, yeah. <laughs> I always said the slattery. I said, I don't want to know names. I don't want, uh, when you submit writing samples to me for the staff, I want it denuded of all personal data. I want a number on it. I will call you and say I like number one, four, and 17, hire them, tell them I don't talk a lot. Uh, you know, in the first day, I'll say hi to everybody and then tell them I'm lost in thought and I might not even be nodding as I walk around because it just wasn't worth it. Yeah, I, You know, I, and I think I was in early on this feeling that the uh, workplace was just becoming, you know, uh, the, the – the Ho Chi Minh Trail during Curtis LeMay's tenure or something. I, I just stayed out of the way. It seemed like a bombshell to me. But uh, I didn't even know. And now that you remind me, I know. But I, I don't know that I ever talked. Did I talk to her or did she think I was standoff? Uh, I think it, the, like in the way where, like you said, you said hi when people started and then when it was like, you know, Eddie Feldman might have been like, hey, this is Heather's last day. And what they had you do is you would sign thesauruses for the uh, interns. So it might have been like, here's a thesaurus and, you know, don't really? don't date my creepy production assistant, whatever you do. I think you told her that. But she didn't well, listen. listen, you two are so fab together. Who makes more <laughs> beautiful babies than you two? Well, that I can't disagree with, even Jeez. even for comedy's sake. <laughs> Folks, I'd put them up, but once again, the world's such a crass place now. that uh, I saw an interesting quote from Steve Martin the other day. And when I first talked to Steve about social media years ago, he said, uh, you know, he loved it. And his Twitter site was so funny. And uh, he said, I like interacting with people. I said, Steve, when I interact, he said, yeah, but you're in a different, you know, tact with your political beliefs and that. People know what you... He's I just am having fun. I said, I know, but that's where my career's taken me. So um, I, I saw the other day that Steve and Marty are now out on the road. And if you have a chance, folks, it's it's uh, the best show out there right now. Um, Marty Short and Steve go out. And Steve said, I now know for many years I didn't go on stage. I didn't want to. And I now know it's the only way I want to uh, connect. Isn't that interesting? I guess he was receiving, excuse me. Listen, is there anybody on the internet who doesn't get lit up by people? I don't I don't think so. I mean, isn't it the nature of it? My my son was very wise about that. My older son said, "Dan, that's the essence of it. You, you can't be surprised by it. You have to be surprised at all the goodwill that's exhibited on there. That's the part that should surprise you." Is there an, an anonymity, uh, malice, uh, whatever people hold against you? Indeed, he said, I don't even think a lot of thought goes into it. It's just a way to light people. You know, it's like having tinted windows in a car, you know, and feeling you can pick your nose or something. You know, you're obviously out there in plain sight, but you don't feel like you could be seen. Times that by a million on the Internet. You can do whatever you want, right? And so uh, that made sense to me. He said, you, you should be surprised when it uh, when somebody unsolicited just says they like you. <laughs> and it's true. So the Internet, I think, should quit being a disappointment to all of us social media wise, not the Internet, obviously. And by the way, is there a guy who started that? Did I hear that he died? And and that blew my mind. I think it was called the World Wide Web. But isn't that funny how you it's, I guess there's a day that that doesn't exist and then and then some guy does it. You don't have to look up his name or anything. I'm just no, saying, I'm just, doesn't that blow your mind that somewhere there's an, that it didn't exist? Can you imagine it not existing now when you go on your phone and just click some words in and it tells you everything about it and there's 15,000 entries on the most minute subject and there was a day, I'd say probably in the last 25 years, just guessing, that did not exist at all. And then one day somebody, I don't know, downloads a picture of Sid Cerise's legs and says, great games, and the whole fucking thing explodes. So it's just uh, weird to me. So we're back in the saddle. Hurt my back. Oh, uh, so I woke up um, after doing the Washington show, went on stage, and I probably wore shoes that were super hard or something. They're new brown loafers that I bought. And uh, I uh, woke up. My left foot was just killing me. And I thought, my God, don't tell me I have something like Cardinal Richelieu, like gout or something. 
But then it was my heel, right in front of my heel. And I said, I wonder if this is that plantar fasciitis shit. And I looked it up and it said, you can hurt your back lifting something heavy. It can travel down your leg, not quite like sciatica. And it can cause plantar fasciitis under your foot. So it's a little better today. But uh, I, I took for the first time, I think, maybe since... I think I had an operation somewhere earlier in my life on something where I took a flexoril or a uh, muscle relaxant. Are you? I can't believe people get it. I had one. I felt like, you know, uh, Marvis Frazier after Mike Tyson hit him. <laughs> it was so loopy. And, and you hear stories about people saying, I, I don't know, you know, Brett Favre taking an amazing amount. I don't know, a flexoril, but at one point I think he confessed to over a dozen of some painkiller every day because he was in such pain. I'm not speaking out of school. I even think he's made that public, but uh, have no idea. You, obviously, you have to go up in stages where you can handle it because, one, are you kidding me? I was out. So anyway, I'm rested, and my foot feels a little better, but still a little ding. And uh, nice to be back. Where did I go? I went to Prague, and uh, I had never been to Prague. Took the Prague tour. Pretty cool. And then I was supposed to go on a boat down the Danube. And get this. The Danube was too low. What? And I thought to myself, all these years I didn't believe in global warming. And now I can't get down the Danube on a boat. I believe in global warming and everybody else has moved on to Trump as Hitler. <laughs> I'm trying to get somebody to talk to me. Have you noticed it? It's like way on deep background now. You don't hear much about it. I haven't seen a picture of a... A polar bear trying to vault, uh, you know, <laughs> little blocks of ice in ages. Have you? No, 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 no. The the, the polar bears are also trying to figure out the Russian collusion angle. <laughs> but let me let me just say, I, you didn't hear about global warming for a while because it moved over to climate change. That's I, true. I, yeah. I don't think global warming was proving out. But you can't. I'm telling you, it, it is not as much of a subject now uh, as it used to be. And I guess the new chew toy is Trump being a Russian. And, you know, I've always said this does not shock me. I knew Trump was, listen, obviously age 16, sent over here by the Politburo, installed in an upstate New York private school. I just remember I've done this. Haven't I? Well, I know that it's it's in your special, but I don't know that. Uh... No, I thought I did it in the podcast. Sometimes I have this spider sense where I get near and I think, oh, Dennis. You did this already in today's show. <laughs> We've had this conversation for eight minutes. We've had this conversation four times where you've tried to do it and you keep stopping yourself. <laughs> so that's what I remember. <laughs> All right, then let me actually do it. So you're saying I have a false memory of not doing it. <laughs> yes. It's one of those recovered memories. Oh, sometimes I can I have sympathetic pain or I can still feel my sense of humor when I fell off. <laughs> But I can still feel it. Um, Trump, obviously, Russian spy, sent over here by the Politburo at age 16 to a school in upstate New York. Um, graduates, comes into Manhattan, sleeps with everything that moves, becomes a billionaire, all laying in wait till two, two and a half years ago when Putin Putin flipped the Red Queen and activated the ghost in the machine. I think it's obvious to all of us. And the whole bit is built on you at the end being kind of swallowing that. <laughs> Which is not a good way to build a bit to do that sort of slow rave off. So then I went to Prague and then they started talking about the river being too low and we had to uh, – they wanted to bus to Vienna. And I said – I don't know everything about symbolism, but I'm not pulling into Freud's hometown in a thing with a fucking greyhound dog on the side. I don't know what the fuck that represents, but I think he'd tell me to get more therapy about it. So I said, when I go to Vienna, I'm coming in big in somebody else's dream. <laughs> not fucking taking a bus to Vienna for Christ. Sorry, I didn't mean to say Christ. Do you think Christ minds that? I don't know, he's very forgiving. So even if he does mind it, See, I think... I, I do believe in God. And I always wonder, God, he's such a... He's so tough in so many ways, you know? And I often wonder if he even gives a 
shit about that. So, uh, but for sake, I'll say Christ for Christ's sakes. Is that does that buy you off? C R I S S A K E S. I'll see that in print once in a while. Or is that the same? For Christ's sakes. I think that's how Ben Grimm was able to get away with it in the Fantastic <laughs> Four, but I don't know if it'll work in 2018. Ben Grimm. I remember what was there was a. I remember I used to collect Fantastic Four. Um, it was a great, you know, those cutaways of the Baxter Building. Oh yeah, I always love a good cutaway. God, I have the best Batcave portrait in my office here. It's right across the way, but it's the definitive. Joel Schumacher uh, gifted me with it—a classic Batcave thing—and I, I always like things like that. The cutaway in the Baxter Building where they had the gym. Like the thing needed to work out, like <laughs> being exposed to massive, wasn't it some sort of gamma ray or something in space? They were cosmic rays. Gamma rays was Bruce Banner. There were different rays working in the Marvel Universe at that point. All right. But he, he got zapped by rays and he turned from, uh, I don't know, Harvey Cattell into this. I used to always think of Ben as like a, 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 an amalgamation of peach pits walking down <laughs> Yancey Street. And... Uh, at the same time, and I, that was the flash in my head, I always thought of Ben Grimm as made of peach pits. Steve McQueen was dying of cancer, and um, he was seeking alternative things. And I remember he went to Mexico to have something extracted from peach pits set into his uh, body. And I thought, i got to see a shrink because <laughs> this is too weird an association to I'm taking Steve McQueen, thinking Ben Grimm's <laughs> elbow joint, maybe offering him life. All right. Uh, so I, I said, I'm not going to Vienna on a bus. And I pulled. Christian, you would have been proud of me. I made an executive decision. I blew the boat off. I said, I'm not going to sit on this boat and bus away to things. And uh, went to Munich. Okay. Hopped a night flight into London and spent a week in London. Had to make an executive call. Wasn't quite sure it would pan out. Had shaky feelings about them saying, well, today we can't move, but tomorrow I'm looking at the map and rain is like in the year 1452, according to the weather map. <laughs> it's coming slowly. So I hop into uh, London and then, sure enough, my friend calls me. He's there. We boated yesterday for around two hours. They had to stop again, and we have to bus into Budapest. <sighs> and I was like, I bet an inside straight, baby, and I felt good about it because I would have been in another. Is there anything worse than going through magical lands in a bus? <laughs> <laughs> you know how bad buses are, for God's sakes. And you don't want to, like I said, you don't want to be driving through. This is where I call Dracul. You know, you got the person in front of you puts their seat back and hits you in the head as you look out the window. It's just a drag. I remember once when I was young, my friend uh, Jimmy and I took a bus across country from Pittsburgh to San Francisco because Greyhound was working this amazing thing that you could go anywhere in the country for like 50 bucks. And... uh I remember, naturally, us being goofballs, we arrived late and were in the Greyhound bus in the back near the shitter, the worst place you uh. want to be on a bus. And uh, we're right in the WAF zone <laughs> until we till we clear uh, maybe Tennessee or something, and then it opens up a little. But I sat in the back of the bus. I was able to watch everything in front of me, and lights are coming towards the bus. You feel like Janet Lee and Psycho, and they're shooting through people's heads. All you see is shadows silhouettes of heads and i'm telling you there were some people in that bus who were so stoned drunk or asleep on a pill that five times i saw one guy get up and smash his head into the overhanging luggage rack you know he must have had bad kidneys or something and he kept coming back to the bathroom and like clockwork you'd see him get up he'll silhouette bam smashes his head under the luggage rack kind of laughs to himself and stumbles back down the aisle and i remember thinking I'm being way overcharged at fifty dollars. This, <laughs> this is this is grim. <laughs> this is as bad as it gets. Uh, I've never felt poorer in my life, spiritually or physically. Um, so I jump out. I go to London, and I want to have a, a, a London experience. So I go uh, to the theatre. 
And the first night I see uh, The King and I with Kenny Watanabe. Oh, nice. Oh, he's great. I forget the woman's name. She is Kelly Ward maybe or something. Or is that running for somebody running for office? I don't know <laughs> that, is, that is somebody running for office in Well, Arizona. this is something like that. Kelly something. Carrie. She's great. I feel like an idiot not knowing it, but I obviously know Watanabe because, you know, right at the high point of the play where he's about to dance with her and he stretches his hand out for Shall We Dance, I, I scream, Godzilla! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Which is all Ken Watanabe said for two and a half hours in Godzilla. It, it, except for the one moment when he said, let them fight. Uh, her name's Kelly O'Hara, by the way. Kelly O'Hara. Brilliant. And what a great, fun I walked out ebullient at my choice. My boat was stuck near Vienna. I was in London, thank you very much, on my way to Lanesboro for late martini. And what else did I do over there? I saw Jules Holland, my dear friend, uh, who hosts, uh, you know, it's their music show. And uh, he was in Squeeze, and he's a great solo performer and the funniest, really. I mean, come on. Who's that funny? And they, he must be like Oscar Levant. You remember how great he was on the piano? Sure. And, uh, I think he was one of the few guys that Gershwin entrusted Rhapsody in Blue to. But you see him in the movies, and he's sardonic and funny. Jules, Jules much more positive than that. But, geez, he makes me laugh. So we went to a classic old place, Le Caprice, which I'm sure the craze probably flipped a table or two over somewhere along the way and uh, had a brilliant uh, brilliant dinner and uh, then I went and had a late cocktail and then as I walked through the theater district on that night and I find out I was in the wrong part of the theater district because the Palladium which is where um, the uh, King and I is showing is like a good half a mile away from there but I'm just out in the theater district spelunking looking for a place to eat I eat at this place called JCD or something. It's a classic old haunt, sort of like their Sardis. And as we walk down this tiny alley in St. Martin's Square, there's a back door to a theater. And standing out there with around 200 women fainting around him is our old friend, who we never met, Aidan Turner, uh, Ross Poldark. And Christian, it was like a scene from uh, what it must have been like with uh, Burton and Liz, but strictly about you know, just the guy, all these women were like fainting and, you know, and I said, we've got to go see that play, honey. And she said, yes, we do. <laughs> she really <laughs> likes Aiden Turner. And it was called The Lieutenant of Inishmore. And it was written by Martin McDonough, who wrote three billboards outside Evings. Oh, yeah. Amongst other things. He's a great playwright, I guess. I'm telling you, it was the darkest, funniest night. I'm so glad that we saw him and went in there. Uh, a couple nights later, because that play made me laugh so hard. I haven't laughed that hard at something that dark since uh, Polanski's Bitter Moon with Peter Coyote. I've put you onto that film, haven't I, Christian? Or have you never taken me up on it? I, I think uh, I actually I know I haven't seen that one yet. I, I didn't. Oh, I, I don't Christian, remember. That. You must. I, I've put a few people onto it. Some hate it, but some like it. It's dark. But literally, I am not the guy who gets black humor, dark humor, whenever they talk about it. You know, I always like my, this was really grim <laughs> and super funny. And I can't tell you when my brain had been more scratched coming out of a theater. It was one of those things where you think, how does a man who wrote that think like that? Look up Martin McDonough's uh, other um, bibliography, or I guess that's, would that be what you refer to somebody's works as, or? I know if it's records, it's discography. Uh, I don't know what bibliography is, but I, I know he's written a lot of plays and he wrote that movie. And it was so funny, stunning, and McDonough, brilliant. In it. And the kid should be the next James Bond. Because, by the way, I, while I was in London, I had not had a chance to see Spectre yet with Daniel Craig. Do you see the Bond films anymore, Christian? I do. I, I still like them. I, I, I've liked half of Daniel Craig's movies. I, yeah, I well, he's getting too uh, – and listen, I was a fan when I first saw him, but it's getting too clutch cargo. He barely opens his mouth now. I always feel like the woman he's with is a he's in a ventriloquist act with them because he doesn't. They, I guess they've told him keep this terse and we can make eight hundred minimal worldwide. You know, the flattened yeah. out noir. 
And I like a little more fun than that. I'm telling you, I, I, I understand that Craig's doing one more and then moving on, probably to the tune of 70 or $80 million. Yeah, I mean, he didn't even want to do this next one, so obviously there's imagine? a nice payday. Jeez. 70 or $80 million to play Bond. And if uh, I think the front runner would probably be Idris Elba. I, I don't know his work that much, but I, I saw him in the uh, Jessica Chastain poker movie. I enjoyed him in there. Either him or uh, Aiden Turner. And I think Turner's uh, younger, so that might work in his thing because I don't think they want to start flipping Bond over every two movies. Yeah, the the biggest knock against, uh, against Idris Elba is he's like in his mid to late 40s now. Uh, he had a British uh, – he was a police detective on a show called Luther, uh, which is I think how he first was. He's great in that and he's great in oh, things I've seen. Oh, yeah, I would check that out. It's... Well, then I would probably go with this Turner kid at 35 because I could see the way the women were reacting in that uh, that alleyway. And, and you know, that's uh, obviously with Bond. <laughs> that's, that's something you want. Guys want to be him and women want to be with him. So – I think he might be the next bomb, but all I know is he killed this play, and it was—it's about uh, former IRA lieutenants, about splinter groups, it's about animals, uh, it's about just—just uh, just so funny. I, I know that doesn't sound like a funny mix, but if this comes to New York, I don't quite know how they'll do it there. And I must admit, I—I I did miss some of the language because it's you know catering to that crowd over there. And some of the Irish stuff was so thick I couldn't follow it. But <laughs> I followed ninety percent of it, and I was just walked out of the theater with the biggest smile on my face. So give it a tumble. Odd name, but the Lieutenant of Inishmore, and I think you'll enjoy it. And then I came back, and now I'm here doing the podcast. And uh, Christian, why don't you feed me a few items or a mailbag thing? Just trying to just, listen, folks. I'm in uh, I'm in training camp here. I'm trying to break some adhesions because I haven't talked on the radio for a couple weeks. So just trying to put the Elston Howard donut ring. I don't. I wonder if Elston had a piece of that because that was the first time you saw that weighted ring. And uh, by the way, Christian, I'm reading a great book about the 1967 pennant drive. In the you don't go back that far, but you might you like baseball, right? Yeah, of course, yes, absolutely. Two weeks out from the end of the season, four teams are tied for first place in the American League, and there, there's no divisions. This is like a ten-team thing, I think, twelve max. I can't remember, but only one person. Can you believe? Uh, you, even I look back, and I don't like change all that much. That's asking too much of a fan base to have one team. Yeah, best best record in National League goes to the World Series against the best record in the American League. And too much to ask. Yeah. I mean, for a business, you just can't. And the Yankees, what, they have 25 championships, so you, you pretty much could have phoned it in. But this one, uh, with two weeks out, we've got the Detroit Tigers, uh, the Boston Red Sox, Eddie Stanky, who makes Leo DeRocher, uh, you know, look like Mr. Rogers. He's such a cranky son of a bitch. <laughs> And um, Red Sox, White Sox, uh, Twinks, and Tigers. And it is a rip and read. I think you'd really like it, Christian. I know no, that sounds just great. in a baseball mood. So mailbag, anything, feed me. Well, I wanted to uh, get your thoughts. You know, you were across the pond, as they say, and uh, there there was uh, some some sizable uh, Trump-related news. I saw you tweet about it a little bit. You know, you got uh, Paul oh, Manafort they... guilty and uh, Michael Cohen, you know, uh, implicating Trump in a hush money scheme. So there's a lot of that stuff going around. Well, listen, I'll be honest with you. The historian in me... I wouldn't. I like. I like living during these times. I know some people wake up every day devastated by it. Honest to God, I, I'm just looking. I know there are people making, and people are going to say, "Oh no, it's always the rich people." But I'm telling you that tax thing. I think it helps if you're super rich because you own companies, and it was a corporate break. I'm telling you, it's not safe. Yeah, I'm just being honest. I'm not trying to be a jerk about this. It's. Uh, it's costed me, so I don't feel guilty that he's done something for me. Uh, but the economy looks great, doesn't it? And I think they restruck this deal today. Um, as I gathered it over there, I, I guess Gary Cohn has confessed to uh, paying off. I, I, these are all things that I just assumed. I, I assume. I think Trump. I think if you peel back Donald Trump's married lives, hundreds of women, like Bill Clinton. Yeah, you know, I've just been through this drill before. JFK, Bill Clinton you know? seemed to have an odder uh, um, workplace thing. 
You know, that I don't like as much. But I really do believe that it's an inequitous use of power in a workplace. Uh, Trump, so far, it looks like porn stars, playboy bunnies. I don't know. Uh, Maybe they'll find some girl who was in one of the pageants and be able to say workplace too. But I, I, I would, if I had to guess who's slept with more women outside of their marriage in their life, or who's, as Clinton said, you know, uh, depends what your definition of is, is who's had more sexual indiscretions. I couldn't even guess. It would be pretty even in my head. So I've been through this with uh, Clinton. And I guess with Clinton, it stopped at, uh, you know, the lying under oath thing was bad. So he did have articles of impeachment brought against him. If they want to do that with Trump, if they take back, I don't think it goes any further than that. But this whole thing that I think that he's uh, uh, and, and any worse than Bill Clinton in that area? Am, am I being overly judgmental there, Clinton or uh, Christian? Or do you, is this not the same thing that – or do people really not believe Bill Clinton fucked around? I, I think you do get people that are the true believers and then you have the other people that are just like, oh, yeah, but that's different. you know, And they, they shrug it off. But, but yeah, I think, that this is, the, I think this the is – The kid working in the White House, if I did have to say it was different and you said Monica Lewinsky or um, Stormy Daniels, like who do you think is a more egregious use of power? I'd I'd have to say Lewinsky. I'll be honest with you. I I, I think that uh, Stormy Daniels uh, knew her way around a little better. Uh, I'm not going to be mean about it, but I I know it's not the end of the world for me. I don't want to denigrate the the lady and how she makes her living. It's of no interest to me. But I would have to say she was a little sharper about it than uh, maybe Monica Lewinsky. So uh, this whole thing, if they're going to impeach him over that. But I still uh, are they still saying that Trump and Putin somehow influenced vote counts through rigging machines or that in the Rust Belt areas where he took a pretty sizable uh, electoral college victory? Is that is that the contention? I, I and, think you you still have people that are expecting some you know revelations in that respect, and then I guess because you have this stuff, you're like, okay, well, this is what's going to keep us busy while they still look into that. And by the way, it's Michael Cohen because I don't want you to besmirch the name of Mets broadcaster Gary Cohen. Oh, sorry about it. Well, you can tell. I think Gary's one of the best that he was even in my head in that thing. But uh, yes, Michael Cohen. Um, and uh, I, I just assume that. Listen, I've lived through this thing about the women and all that. And, man, at the time, I thought, boy, that is bad form, uh, in essence, getting a blowjob from an intern in the Oval Office and, you know, the whole cigar thing. But that I do remember thinking, well, I'll never think of the White House like that again. So when you say to me, Trump fucked around, I can't believe people are astounded. Everything that moved, right? Yeah, or, and I would think it, it seems that way. And I think that, you know, you have the the anti-Trump people that are basically holding out hope that, you know, they they dipped into like some campaign funds through that. But if he's paid off women for let's just say a while, let's not even give a number. I, I'm pretty sure he knows how to how to do it, where everything's, you know, on the up and up. It's like, yeah, great. You take care of this. You make this go away. So uh, but that's what I think people are hoping to connect those dots, that the, there's in some way campaign financing that ties into paying off these women. All right. Maybe they will. But uh, like I said, I, I really the Clintons ruined a lot of that. Uh, I never thought of it as the same after that. I, I thought, well, it's a rough world and uh, rough and tumble. Politics is the Wild West and you take out your enemies. And I still to this day, I mean, you know, people won't change my mind and they'll say that's because you're a fool. And that's fine. I, I don't predicate what I believe on other People, some people endorse it. Some people think you're a fool. Think me a fool if you want. I don't think all 33,000 of those emails on a private server were of an innocuous nature. I think some of them were deleted deliberately because they wouldn't have shown well. And like I said, I don't care if anybody says you're so naive to think that. And I often think, don't even come back and say, I'm naive. Just, I, <laughs> I grin and I go, I'm very naive. Well, you know, she said that a lot of them were about things like yoga. And if any of them are pictures of Hillary wearing yoga pants, I'll say thank you for deleting them. Well, see, even, you know, I, I the, when I first heard it, I made that joke. But now I look at it and I just, I, you know, when people say, no, no, they were all private. They were all personal. Her not using the proper, I just, and they pitch that all to me and say, that's just the way it is. I say, 
You know, I hadn't thought of it. You're right. <laughs> You're right. I've changed my mind. And then you just flatten your grin out. They get so pissed. When you, and you go, well, what are you getting angry for? I'm saying, I didn't think that until you put it out there. <laughs> And you're the one who changed my mind. And you, you couldn't be writer. And they were all innocent. And, yeah, thank you. And you just leave it. It's like backdraft, man. You can't let O2 go under the door and open the door. And they get they walk away thinking, he doesn't believe that, but you haven't given them anything. <laughs> so it's sort of like a double win. Because I think when you put it up like that, they kind of have to confront the part of themselves that doesn't believe that. You know, there's the there's the to and fro of uh, an argument, and it's let's face facts: the country's polarized right now, and everybody uses their own facts to kind of make their argument. But I do think when they walk away, if you do it right, they think, eh, he's right. I think Bill Clinton did mess around. They can tell themselves coming in and just say he didn't, and that's all made up by a right wing conspiracy. And if you just handle that well and don't give them anything, even flatten out your irises, you can't flare, they walk away and think, well, Christ, I went overboard there. I believe Bill Clinton fucked around a little. So that's the way you should play that. Um, so what else happened when I was a Christian with uh, with uh, Trump? He, uh, well, he Oh, and uh, Manafort? Yeah. Oh, come on. I, I hate to say it, but I really thought that Mark Rich thing, you go back and read about that, that pardon on the way out the door that Clinton gave to Mark Rich, and indeed, most pardons. You know, I, I don't remember, and he was egregious with Obama. I was worried that he was going to pardon Joanne Chesimard, who I think the evidence shows as a cop killer. Uh, but, I, you know, maybe he did. I didn't pay that much attention to it. That's another thing to remember. Paul, I, I find politics so desultory now that I pay less attention to, uh, to it than I did earlier in my life, just because... Is nobody's going to change anybody's mind on anything. It's a waste of time to talk about it. We're all wondering how does this country ever find its way back to some sort of a less acrimonious uh, existence if we all just didn't give a shit about that. Jesus, I know some people who are brilliant, brilliant, like their minds, the way they fire and they're completely antithetical to what I think political. I, I don't view those things as connected. I, I view politics in an odd way as the thing you know the least about and are the most sure about. I mean, really, I, I watch people. There's so many other reasons to either be put off by or embrace a human being. Politics isn't even on the first 20 pages for me. How are they with their kids? How are they in their community? How are they about having a sense of humor about themselves? How are they about being a good hang? How are they about lending a sympathetic ear when you've got sadness in your life and you return the favor when they've got sadness? Are you kidding me? It gets down to do you think Trump's Satan or not? Boring. Not going to play. Not going to play. Do I think, uh, I've often said, do I think Trump is a great guy? No, I don't. I don't think Hillary's a great woman. I don't think Bill Clinton's a great guy. But I will say this about Trump, differentiating him from him, and I, it's my go-to thing because it's the only thing I could boil all this down to was I do think his outer voice, as crazy as it is, is an accurate depiction of his inner voice. And I don't think Hillary's inner voice and outer voice or Bill's inner voice and outer voice have ever even had a cup of coffee together. I really do. I think they just put on some Trump loyal for the folks, whereas Trump, at least he has to go. Well, that's so funny that it's a Trump loyal and then a, a Trump loyal. I think it's a Trump loyal with him. He's got to go home once in a while. Like when he says, uh, um, you know, something like uh, the press is the enemy of the people. Now, listen, I'm not predisposed to hate him, but I sit there that night and go, oh, Christ, can't you just leave it at fake news? Fake news is kind of funny. It's fake news. You know, nobody gets hurt. you got to go to enemy of the people where you might get one of these people shot. So I, yeah, it's not like I sit at home and fawn about Trump, but I also don't sit at home and obsess about him every day and think we've got to get him out of there. The country's going to go under because – Guess what? It's been a year and a half now, and of this Hitler thing, which I've always insisted to me is the systematic roundup and liquidation of your enemies, if that's going to start, and I, I, by liquidation, I mean liquidation. I mean the camps. I mean all that. 
I mean, it's only been done one time in our existence, and it wasn't about death camps. It was about internment camps, and that was FDR, who's the greatest liberal hero ever, did round up 120,000 Japanese people and put them in camps, some of them for up to two years during the war. So I haven't even seen it close to that. I haven't seen anybody rounded up, and obviously I'm being facetious. Did anybody actually ever think that Donald Trump was going to be Hitler-like in the way that everybody means Hitler-like? Uh, and, and as I said, whenever they say, I didn't mean that, you, you just say to them, well, what did you mean? Bad house painter, shitty mustache? What what part were you referring to? <laughs> um, so um, Trump, can, uh, they'll either get him or they won't. And I'm not going to waste days wondering about that. I do know that uh, uh, if, if they had it, he'd be gone right now. So I don't think they have it yet. And Mueller, I don't know, it's just boring to me. But anything that runs for that many, you know, if it's going to go on two years, three years, four years, at some point, it's like I used to always say about living in L.A., Christian, if you were in an earthquake in L.A., right? Yeah. A, six, a six-eighter, Northridge. Does this possibly, in a uh, existential way, is this what happens? You're in your apartment in Tarzana, and a six-eight goes off in Northridge, and you're thrown from your bed. Your TV comes off the hinge on the wall. And it begins to rumble, and you're just standing there, scared shitless, thinking about how idiotic it sounds to stay in that room and get in the door jam. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I'm going to stay here. <laughs> I want to get right under the door jam next to the chimney because that's where I'll be the safest instead of splitting the house like most people want to do. Let me ask you this. After two years of a 6.8 earthquake, if it was still rumbling, do you think you would have adjusted in any way, shape, or form? I, I think I'd have to. You couldn't be in as much a panic, could yeah. you? At some point, you got to take a crap, you know? I mean, or, or go make a pizza pocket. Or, oh, now uh, you're talking. I'm just saying, after two years, I, I can't wake up every day and go, what what Mueller get today? And I found out that the, that guy in that shitty sports jacket it always looks like he won the PGA Tour at Bell Harbor, M Michael Cohen, <laughs> that, that he paid a porn star and a... Uh, and a Playboy bunny, whatever, a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Like I, I can't believe that anybody's shocked by that. I, I don't. I just don't. Of course he did. Peel it back. It might happen a hundred times that he paid women off. And is that why you go? When in the past that wasn't why you you went. Uh, I, I assume what might happen here is the same thing that happened to Clinton if they take over. The House of Representatives, they'll file articles of impeachment, and then it really gets to cases. And you start to see people thinking, geez, this fund, you know, it's been fractious, but this fundamentally changes the country if we're going to get rid of this president because he had mistresses and had his lawyer pay them. Maybe, maybe you do. Now, listen, if they come up with something and say, yeah, here's the, here's the electronic data. Trump and Putin got together, figured out how to change these votes in these Rust Belt. I don't think that happened. I don't think we're smart enough, humans. I think we way overestimate how smart we were until somebody has a quantum breakthrough and then you go, fuck, there's one out there that's super smart. But I don't think they skimmed votes in the, the Rust Belt states that Trump turned. I, I think what turned that vote is those people felt shat upon and they, they didn't feel like they were looked after. Or their needs were catered to. And that's why we have Trump. So impeach away if you have it. If not, I'm not going to pay that much attention to it until it uh, happens. But I know the economy's good. And uh, I, I do see um, I am pleased by the uh, lowering of the unemployment rate in the uh, black community. And uh, that, you know, there's such heartache there that that does, uh, I find that a, a great thing. And I'm not going to apologize for any of those things. But I also, even at my, you know, listen, even when Obama did things I did not understand at all, I was never, never within a million miles of being obsessed or hateful. I was still able to look at Barack Obama and laugh when he said something funny and thank God that's the coolest president we ever had, cool-wise. And look how his daughter seems so sweet. And I love how he is with his wife. I love that he never fucked around. There's one thing when you, you know, they talk about Obama and Trump and uh, Obama is an infinitely better husband, family man than Trump has been. And I, I'm not saying that I know Trump as inner workings. I like the way his kids are for a large part. Maybe that's the wives, but they seem like decent kids to me, too, uh, being raised in that. 
But I'd have to say, who who answered the call of their wedding vows? <laughs> it's not. It's not even close. I think Barack Obama's got a clean slate. And can you imagine? I mean, it must have been thousands of times. You know, being as cool as he is, good looking, you know, powerful man. I can't imagine. And he did, because you'd know about it. People say, well, how do you know he didn't? You'd know about it. You can't sit on those secrets because people can make millions off them now. So good for him. He's, a, he's a, definitely a better man than Trump in that regard. But I can't say I sit here and think, oh, my God, Trump's been so horrible for the country. Some good things happening, including today. It looks like we're back uh, best buddies with uh, Mexico, right? I just heard some phone call. It sounded like, uh, you know, sounded like Rizzo and Kanicki in Greece. <laughs> I was uh, overhearing their, their love chat. What else is up in the world, Christian? We good? Well, there's a, there's a really important story I wanted to bring to your attention. When I saw this, I thought of you immediately. There's a town in Florida called Mayo, Florida, and they are at least temporarily changing their name to Miracle Whip, Florida. Well, then it's, that's my next Danube, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. There's my next trip. I was wondering how do I – where do I go now after I've been on the Danube in one or two angstroms of water? I think I was in a fucking Fess Parker steamboat Mike flatboat race or something uh, from the Disney Channel. But uh, I love me some Miracle Whip, folks. Best sandwich in the world, white bread. Not too good. I don't want that whole thing where, oh, it's a baguette. You you tear it off. And I want fucking Wonder Bread. All right? I want to see those balloons. And by the way, <laughs> save those Wonder Bread wrappers because a little later in the year on the podcast, I've got a great, great Wonder Bread wrapper Christmas wreath project. I'll reveal that. I don't want to do it now. And then everybody screws me on the credit. Excuse me, burping again. But uh, Miracle Whip on bad white bread with uh, um, bulk bologna, sliced pretty thick. Yeah. That sounds like lunch to me huh? right now. Babette's Feast, <laughs> right there. I remember I used to do that joke about uh, my impression of uh, – when I lived in Pittsburgh, I had a good joke about a Pittsburgh guy going to see Star Wars, and he would come out, and they'd have the crew there. What'd you What'd you make of it? You know, the Majesties are. Wish I had one of those laser swords. I'd bite bulk jumbo and cut it down for sandwiches. <laughs> like that's what they took away from the magic is the ability to. Boom. Now listen, I saw Spectre. Should I go see the Star Wars thing, Christian? Or would it break my heart? Because you know, I was such a. Fan, which and I know you are. Which Star Wars are you talking about? Because this week's where uh, so the, the uh, Chewie's Han brother is an insurance. Uh, the Han Solo one I really liked because it was fun, and the last few haven't really been fun. Oh, you okay. Know? So, so I'll go see the Sol I, Han. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Ron Howard is is going to put a nice touch on a movie like that, I think, and uh, I, I like that one a lot. Uh, it uh, didn't have the box office, okay. but you know what does anymore? So I will go see that. And I told you about going on that baseball tour with Tom Hanks and Ronnie Howard. <laughs> you did, yeah. Ronnie would say fuck to me. Like he'd just be talking. He'd say, oh, the fucking meds. And I'd say, Opie, what? I said, are you shitting me? You can't say fuck. Oh. <laughs> he is a lovely cat, man. Lovely cat. And his brother's a... a, a you know, Christian, I think... Uh, it's funny when you read uh, podcast numbers and they sent me some numbers to digest. Yeah. You can't really go week by week with it because some people go back and... Yeah. It's an odd thing. It's not like a TV show where everybody watches the first night. And I think there are some people who find it later and go back and listen from the beginning because I'll see some of those older ones. The numbers continue to go up. And so far, our highest rated podcast, and for ages it was Dana and the yeah. premiere... But is now AJ Benza. Yeah, AJ Benza by a lot too, and I, I let him know that. And I don't know. I guess he he was having a bad day, and he's like, you know what? I'm so happy to hear that. That's exactly the kind of news. Well, I listen, I I, I remember AJ being super charming, and this yeah. is no aspersion whatsoever. But I, the name Dana Carvey, obviously known more than AJ Benza, but people go back and start saying, oh, I like that one. I'll go back and listen to another one, and I've been watching that too. So good. I'm glad AJ is happy because it is a. Uh, our biggest seller and doing pretty well. Thank you, folks. You've been nice to us. We're going to continue to plug away at this. I'm not kissing ass. I mean, you know, if you if you listen to one and hate it, don't listen. But uh, I, I do know it's building slowly, 
And uh, I find it an enjoyable form. I was burnt out on doing the three hours a day of terrestrial radio. But I actually find this fun. It's just like uh, coming in and scratching your brain a little. I'm enjoying it immensely. It's nice to be back with Christian. I've made a nice new friend. Ian comes in and helps me in the studio. And uh, I would hope that would continue. If anybody back there wants to get me anything for Christmas at Podcast One, continue to have Ian here. I find him a comforting uh presence and he's got a good laugh that he quiets but you can see when you've made him laugh with something and the comedian in me you need some sort of pavlovian reaction so you're just not sitting in a box thinking what well, well, is this funny you know so it's uh it's good to have him here for my head and it's nice to talk to you all again and i'm getting sammy maudlin here so i'll blow <laughs> but we'll be back a little later in the week with lovitz and uh and uh, carvey and any ads, anything like any we'll, business we're going to do, Christian? We'll do some ads in a minute, but I want to let people know that if they have questions, comments for the mailbag, the best way to do it, just use the hashtag Dennis Miller option on Twitter. Tweet at Dennis directly, at Dennis DMZ, or me at Christian DMZ. But the hashtag the way to go. Beautiful. All right. Thanks for your time, folks. Later. Thanks for listening to the Dennis Miller option. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here. <laughs>